welcome, my lords, to the White City, where you will learn more about Middle-earth and discover differences and similarities between the Rings of Power show and Tolkien's books, and whether Amazon's show, episode by episode, is worth watching. I'm Philip Dutt, your host, and I'll be joined by Mark Schaefer. I hope you enjoy Welcome back. And uh, if we think about just the way that the Rings of Power show has gone and, um, you know, a lot of, you know, fans and other viewers, just opinions and ratings on it, um, it's, it's quite wide range. But I think that um, one thing's for sure is there are some key areas that Amazon could have done better in, um, such as writing and uh, maybe in in a lot of instances also just sticking closer to the lore, so um, something that we're going to talk about here is kind of associated with what we think um, might have been better strategies that Amazon could have gone with, and um, maybe even like ideas of, you know, how the second season might um, might be better um, if they do certain things. Mark, is there anything, uh, what kind of things would like stick out to you or whatnot? Yeah, this is really interesting because I think it's been a while since the show came out and it's given us time to sort of just, you know, like think back on what about the show we like, what, what we don't like, what we think they did right, what they did wrong, and sort of like to get away from like maybe the feelings of just the initial first watching. Um, my first thought, I just sort of, I thought was a pretty interesting thought, um, my biggest problem with the show is the way they portrayed Galadriel. Um, that's like no secret. I didn't feel like it was Tolkien's character, and Galadriel plays a really important role in Tolkien's world. Um, my thought was that, like, rather than having Galadriel be the main character, you could have made Celebrian be the main character. So Celebrian is Galadriel's daughter and Elrond's wife. Um, and she's a character that Tolkien writes very little about. She's also Arwen's mother, so she plays a very important role in this. The, Tolkien's world, and is also a character that like very little is known about. And so, if they really wanted to write their own character, they could have made Celebrian the main character, um, and given her a lot of these rebellious or very violent qualities that Galadriel lacks. And we could still have Galadriel play a role in the story, a very important role, and be sort of more the wise and good character that we sort of know her to be. Yeah, and going off of that, what we've uh, talked about in the past is how there's a difference between. Like Tolkien writing some, you know, pretty obvious good and evil characters, um, and you kind of have a have an idea of like, oh, I want to side with these people because, you know, you just want them to destroy, like Frodo destroy the ring and whatnot. But can I think about that and uh, think about how, in some ways, like great characters are the ones that, you know, who are having to struggle with certain things and that stories are, at least Tolkien focuses on, think of, like, Frodo, you know, for instance, or the Hobbits, or or even just, like, men. It's, those especially have, like, I don't know, more epic stories, I feel like, that everybody likes. Yeah. And and so, go, and so I was thinking about that. I think that it would have been cool to see, I think we mentioned this in one episode, like, a sealed or or maybe even a Lendil in, in some way, also, as being the main character's um, Asildur I think would be pretty good because like they could show his growing up you know in a lot of ways um, kind of like starting up where they do now but he definitely has a lot of development in his character 
Yeah, I think actually that's a great point. Like, I still think that we probably like need a main elf character, and that Celebrine would fit really well. But I think that, like having a Sildur be a much more main character, and, and you had mentioned that like who is the main character in the story, and I sort of have this thought that like does the Rings of Power just maybe not have too many characters in general? Um, they have like these four storylines, and each one's a lot of characters, and each one is sort of hard to figure out like who is the main character, who do I care most about, and like Lord of the Rings, like um, how do you explain this? In Lord of the Rings, it starts off with, like, Frodo, right? And Frodo goes along, and he picks up, like, friends and adventures. He picks up the other hobbits. He picks up Aragorn, pick up the other members of, the like, the Fellowship of the Ring. And then eventually those members will split off, you know? Eventually we'll have, like, the two splits, and then the Merry and Pippin will split off. And so eventually we'll have these more splits. But it starts off of, like, gaining momentum, and then it splits up. Whereas the Rings of Power starts off very split up and tries to, like, end more connected where you know galadriel and the numenorians come into the southlands and connects these two storylines but i think it just it makes it really hard to get invested in the characters as much and yeah i think they would really benefited from starting off with only like a single character and having them sort of go through and then we can really experience middle earth through their eyes i had this interesting thought of like making when you make isildur the main character and having him start in numenor and then like going to middle earth and like that's how we get introduced to it in the story right um in the show and that could be really interesting, like, right, like, not just some, like, popping on a scene in a certain place, but, like, seeing it, like, through Isildur's eyes as he comes in maybe for the first time ever to land on Middle-earth and seeing the coast of Middle-earth. Um, yeah, I think Isildur, like you said, has, like, a lot of room for character growth. There's a lot of room for foreshadowing of future events, you know, because he plays a really significant role in beating Sauron and also losing in temptation to the ring. Um, but, yeah, and, like... As someone who is not an immortal elf princess, like, having Isildur be, like, a main character would be very, very, like, relatable, I think, for a lot of people as a young guy who might not be super sure of his place in the world and stuff like that. Um, and, yeah, like, he could be struggling with, like, a lot of things that people are struggling with and not, like, a revenge fantasy, sort of, you know, what Galadriel mm -hmm. was going through. Yeah, I think something to go off of what you said about just having kind of characters pop out of like nowhere in a way um, is almost what they is how they started um, the show in a sense because as Meta said they're almost trying to like create a Silmarillion show and like try to pick up the story about Galadriel that's already been happening um, but then at the same t at the same time they also try to make it like there was nothing happening at all yeah so that was just like an interesting like. Well, kind of. Yeah. It didn't seem like it's. It wasn't like there was a character development, you know. It was almost mm -hmm. like they started with something already built, and they tried to, and they were just like moving the story along, kind of a thing. No, yeah, I think also that like in other forms of media, like these big ensemble casts, you think of like Game of Thrones has a very large cast of characters that there's no specific main character a lot of the time, but also you think of like Marvel and stuff, and just other forms of media. These, like, ideas of these big ensemble casts where there's no, like, really main characters and there's a lot of people playing off of each other is, like, very, very popular these days. And I think that's a lot of what Amazon was trying to do with this show where you had, like, lots of different characters um, and a lot of different sort of, like, big actors and no one was really playing the main character. Um, I think that's felt very different than the Lord of the Rings movies felt. I think it sort of feels different than the way the Lord of the Rings stories feel. And maybe you should have felt they should have tried to tell a different story in a different way um, than just trying to repeat, you know, the MCU and Lord of the Rings. But, yeah. So the other thought I had, which right. is pretty interesting, I think, is 
rather than having the wizard be what I assume is Gandalf, you could have him be Saruman instead. And as Saruman is, like, traveling with the hobbits, he becomes very disenchanted with them, and, like, he desires more powerful peoples that he can use and maybe even manipulate to beat Sauron, and becomes very focused on winning about Sauron, not really about helping people. And you could really portray him as the anti-Gandalf character, where Gandalf is very personal with the hobbits, he loves hanging out with them, and, you know, he does fireworks for them, and Saruman could be this very overbearing and even tyrannical figure over them to sort of foreshadow his eventual turning and sort of maybe even do some character development work for him as, like, how did, like, uh, Istari end up, you know, corrupted and sort of, in the end, trying to join with forces with Sauron, which would I think would be really interesting. Yeah. But, One thing I do kind of like is the idea of having a character that could be created that, um is new but that character won't really have any bearing on like the actual storyline so i think like the characters they do that with were um bronwyn and arondir the southlands in general right yeah um i think it's really interesting right like none of that storyline really fits with tolkien's world it's sort of just all of them like right like besides like sort of Mordor in general, like, but we didn't really need an origin story for Mount Doom or Mordor in general. It was something they like just sort of added on, but that was really, I felt like, the place they made up a lot of stuff, and it actually was pretty great, right? I don't know, sorry, we finished what you were going to say, but yeah, and not to go on like a this is a a side tangent, but still kind of on the same thing. Um, you have like Netflix, I don't know if you've seen, but apparently they are going to be making side story movies on Lord of the Rings. Um, and people are like, well, like, what's that? Like, how are they going to do that? You know, are they going to, like, use, you know, stories and dependencies or whatever? But yeah, like, one thing is, like, you could talk about, you know, somebody in, like, Gondor or something, or some, you know, some place that is, that does exist in, in, you know, Middle Earth, um, and kind of, like, have, still have them going along with the main storyline, um, and yet creates, yeah, having somebody who, could still like you know fit with the fit with the theme that I think uh, Tolkien would be writing, um, hmm. but not that I didn't really think there was anyone who was written like that in uh, the the Lord of the Rings movies to a certain extent. Everybody who was the main character was actually from the books, as far as I know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's really interesting, I think, because like. The reason the Lord of the Rings were successful, and this is, like, not to, like, Peter Jackson is a fantastic director, but, like, they, like, pulled hard from Tolkien's storytelling abilities. Um, and, like you said, if you ever read the books, like, they're pulling straight lines of dialogue out and straight scenes out. And, obviously, like, to bring this to life is, like, a really unique talent. And, like, I think there's this idea, like, Tolkien is a master storyteller, so it's very safe to, like hey, we'll just focus really hard on Tolkien's stories and, like, just try to recreate them, and it will turn out okay. But it's really interesting, because in the Second Age, there isn't sort of this, like, storytelling, right? There is no sort of Lord of the Rings for the Second Age or the story they tried to tell. So I think they have to sort of go their own way and tell their own story. I think you're right that, like, creating their own characters is a lot better than maybe, in my opinion, trying to tell, like, the story of Galadriel or, you know, Sauron or whatever, and sort of really messing it up, I think, right? Because then you're, like, sort of, rather than, like, 
I don't know, some of my favorite parts and scenes in the show were coming from the Southlands. I think Arondir was a really interesting character and probably, in my opinion, the best actor in the show. Um, and also, like, you have this, like, fight scene where, like, the orc is coming in and it's just the two of them against the orc and the orc seems, like, so scary and powerful and it's, like, really great um, with Bronwyn and Theo. Um, but, yeah, I think it's, like, this really... Like, they really had some other really creative and cool ideas, I think, that they really applied in the Southland storyline. And I think maybe if they had gone more in that direction, the show would have been better off. Yeah, I guess another thing that we have mentioned before, too, but if you kind of think about, like, the evil side, um, you're talking about how, like, Saruman could have been a good alternative to, to Gandalf. And just thinking about that, like, I think that, what's the guy, what's the, uh, like, the Dark Elf, what's his name? Adar. Adar, yeah. So, he definitely, I think, should have been a little more evil than he was. I think <clears throat> having him be more of a servant of Sauron would have been, would have made things a little more interesting. Cause, I mean, like, you don't really know, like, whenever Sauron gets back to Mordor, you don't really know what's going to happen. Because there's this idea of almost like rebellion, in a sense. So if he does return to Mordor... Like, is uh, Adar going to be, you know, working with Sauron, or is he going to, like, try to get the orcs to go against him? Because, because in that one scene with, like, him and Galadriel and Haldir, he was almost seemed like, like, who is it? Was was it Galadriel that was about to kill him? I think. And then uh, Haldir prevented her, or was it the other no, way No, Halbrand was about to kill Adar. Did I say Halbrand and Sauron. No, you're fine. That's the character in the movies. But, um, yeah. Galadriel <clears throat> prevents him. Right. So, yeah. it is being, maybe they're trying to just, like, throw more of a plot twist with it, but I guess, like, you know, that would be one thing where, like, kind of building up the story, you have, like, this, like, as Mortar's being created, it's all being used for, for Sauron's purposes, so he's trying to build, like, an army that's gonna you know, he can, like, take and destroy everybody, but, yeah. Yeah, I think, I think you're absolutely right. I think, I guess my, I think Adar was fine. I would have just preferred a different portrayal of Sauron. I think looking back, the way they did the Halbrand Sauron reveal was, like, pretty well executed in the end, but, like, looking back, it just, the show needed a more powerful portrayal of Sauron, a more evil portrayal of Sauron, a less conflicted portrayal of Sauron, that, like, they needed a bad guy consistently throughout the show. That was sort of the force that they were afraid of. And sort of this, like, Halbrand... Like, if you look back, you're like, why didn't he just kill Galadriel? Why didn't... Right, like, there's so many times... Why did he pretend like he wanted to stay on Numenor? Like, it seems like he almost did. Why did he go to, like, Middle-earth? I don't know. There's just so many questions. And, like, it's not someone you're really afraid of or, like, seems to be driving the plot in any way, um, I guess is sort of my point like he shows up to give a little bit of advice with the rings and then he's gone and then it's like yeah i think mm -hmm. they could have done that very differently and it would have been very turned out very well yeah and i feel like that's it builds a better story i guess you know people might think that oh you know having everybody seem like there's some good side to them is like what people want but like in the end i think it makes a better story just to be like hey these are the bad guys and everybody wants the good guys to win you know what I mean? No, yeah. yeah. And they're sticking with them the whole entire time. And it's the so. kind of story you're telling, right? Like, if you want to tell maybe a more grounded story, maybe it is sort of fun to, like, blur the lines and, you know, everyone's has, like, but 
this is a fantasy story and that's not that kind of story. And yeah, tying in with that, I think like we need to have our like subvert the audience's expectations of like who is going to be the bad guy, who is it going to be, and stuff. Like you have to keep the audience guessing and you have to do quick switches on them. Um, I think that also is like not really fitting to the genre that they're trying to portray as well. Um, I think both yeah. of those go hand in hand, is what I'm hmm. saying, I guess. Um, yeah. Both we need clear villains and we don't need to have them be surprise villains. Right. Yeah. Thinking about uh, Lord of the Rings, you know, they did they did create some some of their own bad guys. Uh, Peter Jackson did, I guess, because you had like Lurts and Gothmog. All right, the pig face guy. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> Looked actually, like he was yogurt. Yeah, both of those are in the books, are they not? Lurts. I, I think Gothmog is. You're correct that Lurts. There is a orc chieftain who kills. Baromir, but obviously, like, he's not given maybe as okay. much screen time. Though, like, yeah. It's okay. also, like, it's not like Lurtz plays a huge role in the in the movies, right? It's not like he has tons of dialogue or yeah, something like that, right? right. right so. Yeah, but I'm saying, yeah. like, it's a safe option to create, like, more bad guys. Yes, yes. Yeah. And I do think, like, Adar was an interesting and cool villain. I just, I feel like we needed an overarching baddie that, like, pushed the plot forward, and it just didn't feel like that was Adar. But, yeah. Yeah. No, I got you. Definitely. Yeah. The other thought I had is there's other parts of Elrond's character that I really liked the dwarf and El- like uh, the Durin and Elrond storyline. I think I'd mentioned before that like magic is a big part of Tolkien's world, and I didn't feel like they portrayed enough magic in the show. They have a little bit with the wizards, but not much besides that. I think Elrond is like sort of this quasi magical healer, and. I thought that would have been a really cool idea rather than him just being sort of this political manipulator. We could have had him like, you know, maybe Durin rather than him, you know, sweet talking Durin. Maybe one of Durin's sons is sick or something and and Elrond ends up healing him through his abilities. And that would be a big way for him to regain trust or or connection with people. Yeah, I thought that was another interesting idea. No, yeah. Yeah, something that like back when we were like, you know, the show was running one of us had made the made that um like kind of prediction like oh like he's gonna come back Elrond's gonna heal him Haldir that is like Haldir's gonna go back Elrond's gonna heal him but like Elrond didn't heal him I don't and think they just did. had like four elves sitting around singing or something and it was like very strange it was like yeah this is yeah. like Elrond is literally the most skilled healers of the elves he's the one who taught Aragorn everything he knows and yeah it was just sort of like right like He's not only like a physical healer, but also a magical healer. He's like both, and that would have been cool to see more of. And mm-hmm. yeah, again, like right, like they also portrayed Galadriel as the commander of the Northern Armies, like over and over again. Never in the books, she's like known as many things. She's like the White Lady or whatever, but never the commander of the Northern Armies. And that was like the drum they just beat on for the show. If you there's this really fun thing. If you go on YouTube, you can like watch somebody count them up of how many times they say commander of the Northern Armies. And it's a lot. So, yeah, I, I think there's a couple other interesting parts that might be have been interesting to change as well. I sort of thought the idea of leaving out uh, our Farazon's son and then switching Ellen Dill's daughter to being our Farazon's daughter and having him be a, a romantic interest for Isildur might have been pretty interesting as well. Uh, just sort of a, a fun counterplay between our Farazon and uh elendil i think would have been interesting 
Um, but yeah, I think in general, the way they did Elendil's character was really interesting where he's like sort of this random sea captain at the beginning of the story. And then like suddenly he takes on massive importance and it's not really clear why. Um, when in the books, it's like, he's much more of a advisor figure to the King and like plays a much more significant role and is a leader from the very get go. I think that would have been a better way of portraying him perhaps rather than sort of a random character that's just sort of caught in the right place at the right time by picking up Gladriel. He could have been like an actual leader of men and sort of foreshadowing that he'll be a King later on. Right. So, yeah, that's, that's, that's very good. Um, and kind of going off of that also with, there aren't very many weapons that are besides, okay, actually all right, there's, if Galadriel's dagger, which, you know, it's kind of cool. Um, but if you think about like, Elendil and like Narsil, you know, like that would have been more of like kind of a cool like idea if they would have put more of that aspect into things. Um, about the sword, I don't know. You're talking about Narsil? Yeah, Narsil. Yeah, I think it would have been neat to have a little more, uh, a little more unique um, weapons kind of uh, put into into the storyline a little more, but. Yeah, I think that's a really interesting thought. As in terms of like not adding more magic, also not adding like sort of the terms of mystical weapons. It's really interesting because in the books, like Gimli's axes are like he has a very significant axe as well and stuff. And like, yeah, so each of them has like a uh, Legolas also gets like an extra, like uh, a string from Galadriel to string his bow, I believe, or maybe one of the bows of the Galadriel. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, how weapons play a much more significant role and is like significant to the characters. And, you know, it seems very generic where somehow like a Rondir has a bow at some point and then he loses it and then he has another bow. And it's like, yeah, yeah, I think that was, that's a really interesting idea. And sort of in the, in the vein of these medieval traditions, right? That weapons were passed down from generation to generation and very expensive and were a big part of your family's like history and lore. So, yeah, I don't know, like, for at least for like you know me and like my especially me and my older brother like watching Lord of the Rings and everything like the swords and all were like something that we were like really into you know um, it was really cool like we uh, we would actually collect we started collecting action figures um, they're made by Hasbro actually and um, it was really neat because like you don't really like sometimes like you watch a movie you don't always like kind of see like everything that they're wearing you don't really get to like see all the details but um all the action figures that they have the swords like all you know you know detailed just like in the movies and so that was like something really cool to see you know and um yeah it's like uh because the other thing was like you we always like look for like the action figures that like got better so we had the like Strider, like Strider was everywhere. You could find Strider everywhere, but who is really rare is like Aragorn in his kingly regalia. You know that was something that you just didn't really like see around a whole lot. And like the sword with all the runes on it and everything. But um, yeah, so just uh, kind of a note of of all that. Yeah, that's really cool. Um, any last comments? Nope. Excited for when season two comes out. See how it turns out. But yeah. Yes, I. Yeah, one thing about season two that I hope, in a way, like, I think, you know, because there are things that can be done better, and I hope that they, like, see that, 
as they're producing things. Like, if the 37%, like, completion rate is actually legit, that's them being like, all right, we need to improve this. <laughs> yeah. yeah. It's hard, too, because, like, right, like, a season two, like, I don't, I think a lot of people won't come back. I don't know. It'll be interesting to see. Especially when they have these plans to, like, do five seasons. It's like, man, like, if they couldn't sit the landing with the first one, like, there's no chance that they're going to, at least not unless the budget drops, like, horrendously. Yeah. But, yep. Yeah. So it's definitely, I mean, especially for fans, you know, of Lord of the Rings and just the books and all, it's fun to just, you know, talk about stuff and uh, give a give a critique for how you think you might make things better. Uh, no, yeah, for sure. You know, but fan yeah. fan theory or fan fiction. Yep. Of how we would make the story. But yep. yeah. All right. Cool stuff, man. Thanks for visiting the White City. Before you leave, please subscribe to our podcast and check us out at thewhitecitypodcast.com. Consider supporting my movement on Facebook, keeping the rings of power pure.